0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Today I'm going to talk about something uh, that's called Kingdom Culture. I don't know if it's going to be a series or not. You know, recently, lately I really don't know what I'm going to talk about from time to time. So we're going to start with this one and uh, We'll see where it goes. See where it goes. Now, so at the roads, we get excited about the Bible because we believe the Bible is the truth. And you're going to hear about that in today's message. So if you've got your Bibles, come on. E-Rhodes family, online, Mount Carmel, North City. Let's get together. Let's get excited as we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Woo! Matthew 13. Are you ready? Bring your Bible to church. Well, I've got my Bible on my phone. That's cool. Just... Don't check anything else while you're reading your Bible on your phone. <laughs> Sermon notes are available on the worship, in your worship guide or on the YouVersion Bible app. And we're going to be breaking down a few things here in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. This is a train wreck. Can we start over? Can we do the Rhodes News again? I'll come out. My microphone was unplugged. And, but it is chapter Matthew 13. Jesus invites us to an awareness of his kingdom. And this is what I feel like God wants to do, is talk about his kingdom and not just talk about church or religion. And I want to invite you into a journey as we're all looking into what it means to walk in the kingdom and not just church or religion. If we walk just in church or religion, we get a little weird as human beings. Let me give you an example of weirdness. Here's what we do. A man was stranded on a deserted Pacific Island for years. Finally, one day a boat comes sailing into view and the man frantically waves and draws the skipper's attention. And the boat comes near the island and the sailor gets out and greets the stranded man. And after a while, the sailor asks, what are those three huts you have here? Well, that's my house there. Well, what's the next hut? asks the sailor. Well, I built that hut to be my church. And well, what about the other hut? He goes, oh, so I'd rather not talk about that. That's where I used to go to church. Think, think about it. On his own, deserted island. This is, what we can do. this is how weird we can be, that we can have a church split when we're the only ones there. <laughs> so we want to make it not just about church, but about a relationship with Jesus and about his kingdom, about building his culture. If I define the word culture, in Webster it says this, the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterizes a society and institutional or organization. The kingdom culture versus the culture of society. And what I've seen a little bit, again, over this last year, and it's it's more prevalent than ever, social media has put this on red alert, that the influence of the culture of society is causing some in even the church world. I understand the world's going to think like the world. That's going to happen. Jesus said that there's going to be my kingdom and there's going to be the world, two different things. So I'm not... Uh, concerned about that. That's just a natural progression. What my concern is, is when Christians or the church start backpedaling and getting intimidated by the culture of society so much that they don't know what to speak about anymore and they're backing off their values and taking stands. They're like, well, maybe not because they're intimidated by the mob of social media because they don't want to say anything. They'll, they'll get blasted because if you say just the wrong thing on social media, bam, you get attacked. And what's happening is the church itself is forgetting that we have been given the culture of the kingdom and the word of God. And we have the right culture. The culture of love, of forgiveness, of sincerity, of joy, peace. This is the fruit of God's kingdom. So we just cannot back off of that and let the world intimidate us and think that, well, we don't know what we're talking about anymore. We don't know outside of what God has told us, but we have access to the right culture. So how do we build a right culture? That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, let's start reading there in verse one. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, out of the house and went to the beach. It's a pretty good gig set by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him. He he was able to gather a crowd, great multitudes. Picture this in your mind. Get in the story with me. Bunch of people gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and set. So he's on the beach, had his towel, maybe a chair. He gets up out of that and gets into a boat, gets in a boat and set, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. So there's the multitude standing on the beach, on the shoreline. He gets into a boat and pushes out a little bit from the shore. Now why did he do that? He didn't do it because he was getting crowded. He did it for amplification purposes, because there were no microphones back then. He had no way of amplify, amplifying his voice, but because he was the creator of the world. He understood the principle of sound waves and how water will amplify sound waves back to the crowd. He's genius. So then, verse 3, then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, parables, he started out in parables. An analogy, an illustration. Behold, a sower... Went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what does that statement mean? Is Jesus talking about people in the crowd who had ears versus people who didn't have ears? Were there people in the crowd who were earless? No, what he's talking about is that not everyone is going to pay attention to what he's saying. Just like as I'm talking, I understand this after years of preaching. I realize that not everybody's listening. Everybody's hearing their list they're hearing, but not everybody's going to pay attention. Some are thinking about what's going to happen afterwards, how quick's getting over, thinking about lunch, thinking about what they're going to watch on TV afterwards. All kinds of things are happening. But Jesus was saying to this multitude of crowd he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. In other words, if you want to hear what I have to say, perk up. Because I'm getting ready to say something that will help your life. If you don't have an ear to hear, that's on you. I'm going to say it to whosoever, and it's on your job to hear it. am not talking just hear as in the, uh, the noise, but to listen. So that's what he's talking about. Look at verse 10. And the disciples, followers of Jesus, came and said to him, why do you speak to them, non-disciples, in parables? He answered and said to them, because... It has been given to you, disciples, followers of Jesus, believers, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Let me just pray over the word. Father, I thank you for the word and I thank you, Lord, that your word is spirit and it is life. So Holy Spirit, come and speak life to us. Only your words are going to make the difference in our life, and we're here for you. We're here to hear from you. So thank you, Jesus. We just bind any attack of the enemy, any strategy of the enemy, and we release your words to speak into our hearts and change us right now. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. So now we're talking about building the kingdom, a culture of the kingdom. Look in verse 11. He's talking about this parable. He just told him this parable of a sower sowing seed by the wayside, on stony places in thorny ground and in good ground, and then he comes to them and you know the disciples are asking him you know what's this all about Jesus why are you talking in parables why don't you just talk plain English and he said, it has been given to you to know been given to you to know been given to you that word there in the Greek means to give you the opportunity or the chance to Grant someone the opportunity for something. Just because you've been given the opportunity for something, how many knows that doesn't mean you're going to take advantage of that opportunity? I can be given an opportunity to experience something, but if I say, no, thank you, I don't get the experience. But he's saying, it's been given to you, or you have the opportunity. The opportunity's been open to you as believers to know. That word No means, it's the word gnosko, which means progression in knowledge, or progress over time, getting to know. It's like if you would say, hey, we're just getting to know one another. That's, we're in the process of knowing, but I don't know you fully, right? Oida, Greek word, a different one, means fullness of knowledge. So this is the Greek word gnosko on purpose, because God says, I'm offering you an invitation to progressively learn and get to know what? the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. What are the mysteries? What's the word mystery? The word mystery here means that which has not been known before, but which has been revealed to an in-group or restricted constituency. So what Jesus is saying to the disciples or followers of Jesus, once we get born again, it's not that God is restricting things. I don't want to tell them. He's just saying, like, uh, let me say it to you this way. When John, uh, in the book of John, Nicodemus and Jesus are talking, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We think that means unless I am born again, I can't go to heaven. Partly right, not fully right. Right? What Jesus was saying is unless you're born again, you cannot, because he follows up the next statement. He says to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see or experience. So now God's telling us, unless we get born again, I am not going to understand the things of God. I'm not going to be able to see them because the Holy Spirit comes into our dead spirit and makes it alive. Titus chapter 3. So until I'm born again, I am, my spirit is dead to the things of God. I can't figure them out. Only the Holy Spirit enlightened me by the grace of God can I cause, be caused to see things. Does that make sense? So he's saying here, it's been given to you to know or get to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So they're revealed only to the people that are part of the kingdom of heaven or in this in group. So what does it mean kingdom of heaven? Usually when you say kingdom of heaven, most of the time we immediately think about the location, heaven. Like kingdom of heaven, like there, like geographic location. And that's not what he's talking about in the context of this. Kingdom of heaven, the word kingdom does mean an area ruled by a king. That's true. So where does he rule? In heaven and on earth, under the earth, he rules everywhere. Right? So the kingdom does mean a location. But it's the Greek word basilia, and when I looked up the root of that word, I got something interesting that I think God wanted to bring out. The root is the word basis, which means to walk the foot or the bottom of something. It's where we get our English word basis. So kingdom of heaven, the basis of heaven, means this. The principal, component, or foundational elements of something. So when Jesus said this, he said, It's been given to you to know, to get to know, to learn to know over a process, the mysteries or the hidden things of the foundational, principal, component, elements of how heaven operates. So in other words, in modern day language, Jesus said, You've been given an opportunity to acquire understanding in your comprehension of the foundational principles that heaven is established on. In other words, how heaven operates. The basis. So when you see the kingdom of heaven, you need to see the basic principles of heaven. Not just the place, not just the location. So he's telling you, it's been given to you to know. When Jesus came in, Mar- in Matthew 4, 17, he says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember when Jesus showed up? He said, All right, hey, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did he mean? The kingdom of heaven, the foundational principle, component beliefs, and system of heaven is now on the earth in me. Jesus came to give us an example on earth of how it is in heaven. When Jesus walked around and talked and acted and how he behaved, how he thought, he was showing us this is the foundational principles of heaven in the flesh. Yeah. Now, he wasn't doing that so that we could see what we couldn't do because we aren't Jesus. He was doing that to show us what we can do because of Jesus. He says the kingdom of heaven is here. But in order to experience the kingdom of heaven, what happened? To, what had to happen? What did he say first? What was the first words he said? He said... Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. The system, the foundational principle of heaven has come to the earth. Repent. When we hear the word repent, we just think I'm supposed to say I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me. I need to repent, so I need to partly right. Sorry if I spit on the first two rows there. (laughs) It's the anointing. Partly right. But the word repent is the Greek word metineo, which I give in your notes there, means to think differently, to reconsider, to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. So repent happens. Do I change behaviors? Yes, I change behaviors because I change the way I think. And because I change the way I think, that's going to change the way I behave. So he's saying, if you're going to experience and walk in the foundational principles of heaven, you're going to have to change the way you think because you've been programmed to think like earthlings. And I want you to begin to think like we think in heaven. We don't think like you people. We think differently. Our thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But he wasn't saying that to exclude us. He was saying that as an invitation to include us. Got to change our thoughts. Look what he said. How do we know that he's inviting us into this? He was wanting to change the culture of earth. How did he want to change the culture of earth? He wanted to change the culture of earth by asking us to change our thinking, to think like heaven. And if we would think like heaven, then now we could get heaven acting on earth. How do we know that's true? When the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. What did he give them? Luke chapter 11. They said, "Uh, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? John taught his disciples. Could you teach us? Verse two, he said to them, all right, when you pray, do this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I remember before football games and before basketball games, and you know we'd pray. Say, all right, everybody, take a knee. We're going to pray. Our Father, our Father on heaven, hallowed be thy name. King come, your will be done. For us, as it is in We just, you know, we run through it. Think it's a nice prayer, but did I understand what I was saying? No, I was just saying the Our Father prayer. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, the will be done. What was Jesus teaching them? What did he say? Pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your foundational principles and concepts, your kingdom, Basilia, the basis, the basis, what heaven is based on. Your kingdom. He said, pray this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as It is in heaven. He was teaching us to pray the kingdom mentality into the earth. Mm. So, now, how how does this parable fit into that? Let's go look at verse three. So, he spoke this parable. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. So, here's what you got to understand this parable is about the foundational principles of heaven. Are you tracking? So the principles of this parable are explaining how heaven works, the system of heaven, all right? Keep that in mind. So he tells them this parable, behold, how do I know that? Because he said, it's given to you know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, and this parable is part of that. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. This is the only one I'm going to talk about, the other one I'll get to maybe next week. Behold, a sower went out to sow. A sower went out to sow. Now, what does sowing mean? The word sow there means to place or scatter seeds in the ground for future growth. To place or scatter seeds in the ground for what kind of growth? I want to make sure you get this. This is important. When it says a sower went out to sow... It's to place or scatter seed in the ground for what kind of growth? Is future present tense? Is future past tense? Can you, and this is in the natural, don't get spiritual on me, can you see the future? No. It's not a trick question. Yes, I can. I see it with my faith. I understand. I'm just talking about, (laughs) I understand. I didn't want to set you up for failure with that question. So we're talking about sowing is about What kind of growth? So I sow now for what I will see. We understand this in farming. What are we doing right now? We are sowing some seed. Are we driving combines on the roads right now? Why not? We sowed seed. I sowed seed this week, planted 5,000 acres. Get the combine out there. We're not doing that. Why are we not doing that? Because we understand the principle of sowing in the blind and reaping with our eyes. Too many times in our life, we don't want to sow for future growth. We want to sow for now growth. I'm going to change my ways right now and I want to receive results immediately. I'm going to sow a different attitude with my spouse and they better change by tonight. Tonight. I've changed the way I've treated her all day. (laughs) And she's not changed a bit. We sow now for now growth, but that's not the kingdom. What we're experiencing now is a result of what we sowed before. So if we want to change something in our life, we have to sow now for what we want to see later. But we're impatient. I'm impatient. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll start that new habit. And and I want to see the results of it by tomorrow. You're going to start that new financial habit. I'm going to start tithing. Okay, I'm going to start tithing this week. And then uh, this week, this next week, I had all kinds of financial problems. I knew that tithing thing wouldn't work. We sow now for what kind of growth? You want to change your life? Start sowing now for something you want to see later. But what we do so many times, we see something we don't want. It's a result of what we've sowed before, and we start talking about what we're seeing. And what we do, we keep sowing into what we're seeing and wondering why our future growth is the same as our current growth. So if I want something different, I've got to look at what I see and say, (laughs) I'm going to sow something differently into my future. Now, what do we sow? What do we sow? Look at verse uh, uh, 19. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so what do we sow? He's explaining the parable in verse 19. He said, in verse 4, he said, he sowed some seed, fell on the wayside. What seed? What is he talking about? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, what do we hear? What do we hear? We're not talking about noises. We're talking about words. So what do we sow into our future? We sow the word of God, the word of the kingdom, word of which kingdom? His kingdom. Not the words of your friend's kingdom. Not the words of social media kingdom. Not the words of somebody else's opinion kingdom. The words of his kingdom. If I want to see something different in my attitudes, I've got to start sowing the word of the kingdom about what I want to produce in my attitudes. The word of the kingdom. We cannot hear success 101 in Christianity. We We are not to sow, pray, declare our wants. We are to sow and declare the word of the kingdom. This is seed. It's either gonna sit on my shelf at home, on the coffee table, on my nightstand, and sit there all week long while I'm praying, God, when are you gonna change this? When are you gonna change this? And God says, when are you gonna sow? God, I've been waiting for you to change this situation in my life. How come you're not doing anything? He says, because you're not sowing anything. But see, the problem is, we got to get a kingdom culture. This is a kingdom culture. The kingdom culture is based on sowing. But in the worldly culture, it's based on entitlement. In a worldly culture, it's based on, I need it, so you give me. So we think that's the way God works. Well, I need it, so he's going to give it for me. Because I need it, he'll do it for me. I don't even have to ask. Your Bible says, God, that you know what I have need of before I even ask for it. Just because he knows doesn't mean we don't need to sow. Is this encouraging anybody? I want to get into people in my heart to remind me that the principle of the kingdom is if I want to change my culture, I got to change my seed and the seed is the word of God. I have to take the scripture. So you're like, okay, Chad, practical terms. How do you do that? Okay, I've got to do this in, in just like 60 seconds. Practical terms. How do I sow the word? That's like a nice churchy saying. Just sow the word. People's out there. Amen, brother. What does that mean? That means, (laughs) what does that mean? Um, This is randomly pick something. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Let's go here. This is totally off script, so bear with me. There's no notes for that. There won't be a slide for that. That's why you bring your Bibles. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Anybody ever felt stressed out? (laughs) Anybody ever felt anxious? Anybody ever felt nervous about something? Here's how you sow seed. You get Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and you start sowing. How do I sow? I begin to declare it over my life. So I start saying things like this. Lord, I thank you that I am anxious for nothing, but in everything I choose to pray and with thanksgiving in my heart, I will declare to you, I will let all my requests be made known to you and now Lord, I thank you that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. That's one time. To sow, you need to do it over and over and over. That's just one example. Take it for for healing, take it for whatever you need. Take it for any application. You find a scripture and you sow seed. I don't sow my wants. God, give me peace, give me peace, give me peace. Find some seed on peace and sow it and that, sow, that seed of peace will produce a harvest in my life. I'm sowing for future growth. I sow that scripture today. Tomorrow, I'm still stressed out. Do I quit or give up? No, I keep sowing because I'm sowing for future growth. I'm not sowing for now growth, I'm sowing with a purpose for the future. All right, now I've got to go back to the message. So, now, where's this thing sown? Where do we sow it? We sow it into our hearts. Look in verse 19. It's sown in his hearts. That's the soil. The soil is our hearts, whether it's a wayside ground, stony ground, thorn ground, or good ground. It's talking about our hearts. We get it put into our hearts. How do I, how do I get it into my heart? I've got to make sure I, I develop it. Look what it says. What happens? Let me, let me jump to something. Uh, no, no, let me stay with this. Okay. I'm, just, I'm looking where I need to go, and I'm just looking at time, so I want to make sure and get this across to you. Look at verse 19, how it says this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, underline that, does not understand it, then, when? When we don't understand it. Then the wicked one, who's the, who's the wicked one? That's not your neighbor. It's not the person that's beside you. The wicked one is the devil. The, the wicked one comes and what does he do? He snatches away that which is sown in his heart. When does the wicked one come and snatch away the word of the king that's sown in my heart? When I do not what? I do not, do not understand it. All right, what does that mean? Understand. That word understand means to put together in the mind to comprehend. So this is about taking the word of the kingdom and taking it from information to revelation. Where it goes from something I heard to something that's alive in me. When it goes from, I'm just trying to give you ways to break this down. When it goes from something Chad said to something you believe. Something that becomes yours. Something that when you tell someone, you're no longer saying, hey, I heard Chad say something about, you're saying the word of the Lord says this. That's word of the kingdom for you. That's when you say, God told me. When God showed me this, when you're in your own devotion and you say, oh, bam, God just showed me I don't have to be anxious anymore, but the peace of God can pass all my understanding. He showed me that it comes alive in me. And so now when anxious thoughts come, I'm like, no, not not today, devil, not today. (laughs) I got understanding that the word of God brings peace into my heart. I don't care what those kids are like at school. I don't care what those coworkers are like. Uh, The peace of God can rule my heart and my mind something alive on the inside of you, from information to revelation. How does it get there? It only gets there when we meditate it. Let me give you this lost art in Christianity. In our newsfeed world, we've forgotten the power of meditation. I'm not talking about sitting around going, um, I'm not talking about that. The (laughs) The word meditate in the Hebrew means this to ponder or give serious thought and consideration to selected information with a possible implication of speaking in low tones reviewing the material so literally it means to speak out loud over and over and over let me give you two scriptures for this you can look at study more later Joshua 1:8 this book of the law the word of god shall not depart from your it's on the screen The book of law shall not part from your mouth. Does that mean you're eating it? No. When it means it's not depart from your mouth, what does that mean? It's coming out of your mouth. You're speaking it. The word of the Lord, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But look what it goes on to say. But you shall, what? Meditate in it day or night. Meditate in it. Meditate in it. Day or night that you may observe to do all this in it. What does it mean to meditate the word? That means that I'm going to speak, be anxious for nothing. Every time anxious thoughts come, be anxious for nothing. I'm saying it. I'm not just thinking it. You can't defeat bad thoughts with good thoughts. Come on, I'm going to help somebody with some basic one-on-one of Christianity. You will never defeat bad thoughts with good thoughts. You will defeat bad thoughts with good words. When you speak good words, your brain has to stop to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. I love this illustration, but we don't have time to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count down from 10. I'm going to go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I want you to, I want you to be thinking it in your mind. Just 10, 9, 8, you know, don't say it, but you know. I'm going to say, go, and you start counting down. And when I say now, I just want you to say your name, not the words your name, like your name, like Chad. Okay, except your name's not Chad. Anyway, when I say go, you ready? Set, go. Now, I had about ten percent participation in that. In the illustration, that's pitiful. Mount Carmel, I hope you were a lot better than that. Eros family, what happened when I said now? What happened to the counting? It stopped. Why did it stop? Because your brain had to stop and pay attention to what was coming out of your mouth. Same thing. When I have fear thoughts, when I have negative thoughts, when I start speaking the word of God, those thoughts that come from the enemy have to stop and listen to what comes out of my mouth. And when he's trying to intimidate me, trying to get me in fear, I say, wait a minute, I got something to say. And when I start speaking the word of God, he has to shut up and listen to me. Those thoughts have to shut up and listen to the word of God coming out of your mouth. God's given you a voice to use it to sow seed. I'm just bombarded with thoughts. I know, man, this past year has been the worst ever for me being bombarded with thoughts. So what do I need to do? I need to amp up my sowing game to another level. We don't just sit there and take it. We got to give it, baby. We're just taking it. We got something to offer. So this is what he's telling us, because when we don't do that, the enemy will come and snatch it out of our hearts let me give you these last thoughts this is the ending i'll close process for culture development if you want to change your culture right now i'm going to break it down into these steps this is not to negate negate the power of god that can take these steps and do it instantly but here's a process number one if you want to change the culture of your life number one you've got to understand this thoughts develop into ideas Ideas create concepts. When I say concepts, I'm talking about an accepted truth. It becomes a truth to you. Concepts form into beliefs. Beliefs influence our behavior. Behavior produces habits. And habits determine culture. If you want to change your culture, what you're experiencing, what you're living in, what your life is like, Our problem is, we think, if I want to change my culture, just change my habits. The problem is, it's because our habits are built on behaviors, which were built on beliefs, which were built on concepts, which were built on ideas, which were built on thoughts, So if I want to change my culture, I can't just try and change my habits or I will quit by this afternoon. You ever said, I'm going to change my ways and you try and just change your habits and the next morning you're off the wagon or on the wagon, whichever it is. I can't remember which one you're on. You've dropped the ball. What do we need to do? If we want to change our culture, I have to go all the way back to the beginning and change my thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, taking every thought captive into the obedience of Christ Jesus. And if I take my thoughts captive, I'll get some new ideas. And those new ideas will create a new accepted truth in my heart. And that truth, if I'll stick with that accepted truth, now that begins to create a concept. And that concept forms a belief in my life and that belief influences my behavior and that behavior leads to new habits and new habits create a new culture. So if we wanna operate in the kingdom culture, we gotta start sowing some seed into our thoughts. You want something different at home with your spouse? It's not gonna happen by new habits. I've tried it. It's only gonna happen when I change my thoughts. Get some different ideas embrace a new concept a new accepted truth because the the truth that I accepted before had led me to this result and I don't want that result anymore I don't want that so I want something different so I got to sow new seed for a new future growth this is the kingdom this is how the kingdom of heaven works we want an instant we want a microwave we want I want it give it to me pull up in our drive through world Please give me some joy and peace. Thank you. I wish it worked like that. I wish it did. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.